everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Now, this is the early church meeting together, so they're breaking bread. All right. Paul, we heard of him before, spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. The background is Paul had left one of his robes in a town called Troas, so he cycled back through Troas to pick up his robe and while he was there, a wealthy Christian guy had a three-story house, invited Paul to maybe his media room on the third floor And he began to preach, so he preached a long time. And we're going to find out he continued past midnight. I don't want to freak anyone out. I only have 24 minutes to go. I'm not doing that. But this this takes a, a weird turn here. There were many lamps in the upstairs room, and the Christians, the early church, would put these lamps out so everyone would know, okay, these these people are legit. And of course, they were known as people of light, the light of the world being Jesus. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Now here's where it gets a little bit fun. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. Eutychus, Eutychus. The name Eutychus means fortunate. He was sinking into a deep sleep. Now this is the first instance we have of someone sleeping in church. And obviously, he's had many successors. Maybe some today, I don't know. He was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. I mean, let's face it, when you sit anywhere for an extended period of time, you relax, I relax, and then you can just fall asleep. I mean, I've fallen asleep in church before myself. I think one time I fell asleep while I was preaching. It was amazing. (laughs) When he was sound asleep, He fell to the ground, ah, from the third story and was picked up dead. Now, what do you think Eutychus said when he was falling? What do you think he said when he hit the pavement? Well, you'd have cussed too if it had been you. Paul... Paul literally woke him up, brought him back up three flights of stairs, and continued his message, the Bible tells us. Sleeping. That's right, Eutychus was sleeping. I think if the truths were known, in an audience this size, I would say that all of us are in different stages of slumber. Some of us would be awake. That's believe it or not, a stage of sleep. Others would be just lightly sleeping. And still others here would be, I'm talking, you're out. Deep sleep. And when I talk about sleep, I'm not talking about just physically sleeping. I'm I'm talking about sleeping in the deepest sense of the word. I read this week that we spend like a third of our lives asleep. That's crazy. 
Have you ever thought about that? When you're asleep, you don't really know you're asleep until you're awake. It's weird, isn't it? Asleep, asleep. I've been talking about wokeism, and this is the final installment of this series, Woke or Awake. I want us today to wake up to wokeism. And I gotta ask you straight up, are you awake to wokeism? Wokeism is, is real. I mean, wokeism is a deceptive strategy from the enemy himself. It's deceptive. Ideas have consequences. Bad ideas have bad consequences. Deceptive ideas have destructive consequences. And what we're dealing with right now as we look in the, in the different sections or different stratas of our culture, whether it be athletics and sports, whether it be entertainment, whether it be education, whether it be our government, whether it be the corporate world, what we see is this massive wave of wokeism. It's deceptive, it's sexy, it's, it's, it, it's cool to, to a lot of us because it preys on compassion. It basically says if you're compassionate, if your eyes are open, that everything is about the color of your skin, everything is about your body parts, everything is about your sexual orientation. If your eyes are open to that, then you are woke. But if you're not, you're racist, xenophobe, homophobe, the list is limitless. So today we're going to wake up to wokeism. And so many here, I know you're, you're like, okay, I'm awake to wokeism. What is wokeism? Wokeism is a critical and divisive way of looking at all things in our culture. That's what it is. It's based on blame, stereotype, victimization, and envy. So let's say you're a student. I see some young people there. Let's say, let's say you're in junior high. Let's say you're in, you're in college. Just, just watch what I'm telling you and let that play out. And I'm telling you, when you hear so many people in the realm of academia, not all, but most, you're gonna find that ideology. You'll be able to sniff it out. And it's hell-bent, wokeism is hell-bent on taking away our freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Don't lie to yourself. They are coming for you and me. They are. The enemy, read throughout the New Testament and go back to the Old Testament. He is all about, I'm talking about Satan himself, deception. He's the wolf, as we've talked about, in sheep's clothing. He disguises himself as an angel of light. So yeah, there's a little kernel of truth in this. No doubt about it. But the overarching mentality is satanic. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 14, and this is kind of a wake up call. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ 
will shine on you. What is wokeism? It's willfully overlooking known evil. That's wokeism. So we need to wake up just in one way to the utter uniqueness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is unique. Wokeism, please again, download this. Wokeism is anti-gospel at every single turn. It's anti-gospel. It's against the Bible, against God. And let's just face it. Whenever you turn your back on God, and, and man has done this from the garden on to where we are today, whenever you turn your back on God, you're gonna come up with these ridiculously moronic, strange schools of thoughts that don't make sense. Wokeism does not make sense. We have so many people though who are deceived. The wokers call someone a racist, they're the racist. They call someone intolerant, they're intolerant. They call someone like, like against this or against that, they're against this or against that. They, they call out hate, they're, they're, they're about hate. So it's, it's inverted. So watch this when you hear this pablum talked about from CEOs, talked about online, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. When you hear this in the classroom, usually it's the height of hypocrisy. But just, just name me one place, one city that's better off because of wokeism. Just name one. You can't. But everywhere we turn, people are getting woke. Have you heard about the Cowboys? They're changing their name. Did you know that? They've gone totally woke. From the Cowboys to the Dallas Cowpersons. That, see, you have a hard time laughing. You love the Cowboys so much, you can't even laugh. That was funny. That was really funny. What would be funnier, the Dallas Cowqueers? Is that funnier? Hey, we're in serious trouble. When I agree more with Bill Maher than most preachers I see on Instagram. At least Bill Maher has courage, Bill Maher, to stand and say, this is a joke. A joke, Bill Maher. Maybe you'll become a pastor, we need to pray for him. I like his boldness. I'm serious. You go ahead and send that clip to Bill himself. At Bill Maher. So, what is the deal with wokeism? We've defined it, we've talked about it. What is the deal? We need to wake up to what the gospel is all about. So before I unpack what the gospel is all about, which most of us know, because I'm gonna compare and contrast the gospel, waking up to the gospel, I'm gonna compare that to the gospel of wokeism, because I'm gonna argue, check this out, and you're gonna see why, wokeism is a religion. Let me say it again. Wokeism is a religion. Wokeism is a religion. My father pastors, I don't know, it's probably the largest church in America. It's hard to know what church is the largest in America because preachers lie so much. But anyway, I think <laughs> dad's church probably is, is, is the largest. Um, it's huge. They have like 90,000 members. It's pretty big. So his good friend is Dr. Ben Carson, black guy 
uh, one of the top neurosurgeons who ever lived. He was director of HUD. You've probably heard about him. Recently, Dad sat down and talked to Ben because they were uh, spending some time together. And, and, and I want to show you just about a one minute of this interview. Would you like to see Dad talk to Ben Carson? I would, because what Ben says, yeah, I'm just going to drop the mic. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite Ben to speak here one day. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful guy. So here it is, dear old dad interviewing his good friend, Ben Carson. So Dr. Carson, give us a workable, uh, homespun definition of the critical race theory so everybody understand it. Well, we talk about this uh, quite a bit in our book, Created Equal. Um, it, it stems from critical legal theory. And critical legal theory says that our whole legal system was set up to preserve uh, white superiority, mm -hmm. right, white supremacy. And critical race theory is then becomes a subset of that, and it's meant to make sure that the racial hierarchy is maintained with whites on top. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really talks about some of the pretty awful things that happened in our country. You can't mm -hmm. deny that there were some terrible things that Absolutely. happened. Absolutely. Uh, but it then utilizes that to try to create a platform to build upon. Now, you know, we have a choice as a nation. Do we want to build upon our greatest mistakes? Mm. Or do we want to build on the tremendous successes that we've had? Mm. Because the two lead to very different places. Mm. And, you know, critical race theory would have our children uh, in dividing themselves, mm. you know, making white kids feel guilty because they're oppressors and all of their relatives are oppressors, making black kids and minorities feel like they're victims. Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's probably the worst thing you can do to a person is to make them think they're a victim. Because if you think you are a victim, you are one. Mm. <laughs> That's exactly right. And that is really uh, hurting a lot of the progress that has been made. I mean, in, in my lifetime, the, the country has changed dramatically. I mean, dramatically. Uh, I remember as a six-year-old going to Chattanooga, Tennessee, oh. and seeing the whites and colored signs mm. and... And I remember the adult saying, make sure you observe those. Mm. Uh, you don't have to do that when you get back to Detroit. But Detroit was a whole another different type of racism. Mm. Mm. Um, but that was as a kid. And also when I was a kid, when a black person came on television in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. Mm. You called mm. everybody into the living room. Hey, look at this. I mm. mean, this was incredible. Mm. Now, look at today. Mm black generals and admirals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations, Ivy League presidents, uh, president of the United States mm. two times, mm. a vice president. I mean, the list goes on and on. That's in one lifetime. Mm. So mm. to say that we have a, a system that doesn't respond and doesn't change is totally inaccurate. And if we were a horrible, systemically racist place, why would people be trying to form caravans to get in here? And when they got here, wouldn't they call all their relatives and friends and say, don't come here, this is the worst place? No, that's not what's happening, is it? 
Dad is 86 years old. People ask me all the time, what about your dad? Is he alive? Are you kidding me? He has more energy than the, the most energetic bro in the church. Dad's a freak of nature. I like when he was interviewing him. Hmm. I might start doing that. Hmm. Hmm. What Dr. Carson said is so true. Obviously, the Bible says, Genesis chapter 1, that we're made in the unique image of God. There is one race, let me say it again, one race. Race as we know it is a man-made construct. There's one race. There's great diversity. And I'm so happy, I'm so thrilled of the diversity in the creativity of God. What has happened in the past in our nation has been hellacious. With slavery, treating human beings as animals, absolutely awful. From that though, we've learned from that and we're still paying the price in many, many ways about slavery and, and about persecution and about racism. That's right, I'll use the word, but look where we are today. Look where we are today. The Bible though says from cover to cover that we are unique, that we're one of a kind. Anytime we talk about race, like we stereotype someone, maybe we take just a few people and then try to stereotype an entire group of people based on the behavior of just a few. Anytime we do that, we're making a mockery of the majesty of our maker. So no, no, no. Wokers don't have the corner on the market of racism. Heck to the no. As Christians, we do. It's a beautiful thing, an amazing thing, an empowering thing, but remember, we're one. All we're talking about is different melanin in our skin. That's it. But sadly, there's been racism in our nation's history and also racism around the world. One of the things of the gospel is this thing called forgiveness. You've heard about that. It's all about the gospel, forgiveness. God created us in his image, right? We messed up, we sinned, we dropped the ball. God did something. Because of his outrageous, contagious love, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to rise again, to do the work of reconciliation, to reconcile man to God through Christ and to forgive us. Forgiveness, it's, it, it's the guts of the gospel. Forgiveness, I'm forgiven, you're forgiven. He doesn't dredge up the past. No, no, I'm forgiven. And God is in the recycling business, isn't that good? He repurposes us, he repurposes pain. He repurposes our sin. He repurposes grief, and Lisa and I are going through that right now. He repurposes us. So when you talk about recycling, that's all about God. It's all about the gospel. Wokeism, though, and let me just tell you this in review, there are many things that are unforgivable, unredeemable. Forgiveness is not in play, basically, when it comes to wokeism. In Christianity, what do we say? We 
hate the sin and love the sinner. In wokeism, we hate the sin and we hate the sinner. That's, that's basically it. So we have forgiveness. Think about love. God is love. Love is not God, God is love. He loves you and me, and that's a part of the activation of the gospel. He loves us. He loves us more than we can even, even understand. The love of God is all-encompassing. It's all about unity. Wokeism? Love? No, no. They, they, they're all about hate, and it's about separation. Again, they've dumbed us down just to the color of our skin, the body parts, and how we use the body parts. That's it. And they want to take those of us who follow the Lord out. It's a classic battle. It's neo-paganism between the enemy and God. So we have salvation. We have forgiveness. We have love. Think about grace. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you think there's any grace in wokeism? What What do you... What are you smoking? It's not there. Again, young people, listen for this. Check this out. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to activate the gospel in your life. Yes, we believe the gospel, but we must activate it. And it's time for us to have courage. When I think about courage, I think about Daniel. Years and years ago, I need to re-preach this series. I did a series called, And That's the Way the Character Crumbles. That's a brilliant title, isn't it? Stan Durham gave me that title. And I talked about character in characters throughout Scripture. One who had courage was someone named Daniel. Daniel speaks to us right where we are, friends. I mean, he was loving. He was tenacious. He was courageous. He didn't let the culture pull him away from his focus on the Lord. As we talked about in this series, I've talked about truth a lot. In biblical Christianity, you've got truth, and truth trumps feelings. Feelings emerge from truth. In wokeism, your feelings equal truth. If you feel like you identify as a roadrunner or a jackrabbit, well, that's truth. I'm telling you, it is insanity. But again, the Bible says those who don't know the Lord, their eyes are blinded. Jimmy Evans talked about it during the prophecy conference. He also talked about it last Sunday. There is a a level of deception out there that the enemy himself gets involved with that that is hard to imagine. Responsibility. Well, let me talk about that. Sometimes people say, Oh, Jesus was a socialist. I've had people who've attended Fellowship Church tell me that. And and politely I'll go, no, no. Jesus was not or is not a socialist. Because pretty much everything he talked about in parables has to do with responsibility. And you can see in some of the parables how some people who were responsible with the blessings of God made a fortune. And that's great. But the big idea is we face, those of us who are Christians, we face the judgment seat of Christ, and that's based on responsibility. What did you do? What did I do with what God gave me? 
What did you do that God gave you? Because God gave you a different gift than he gave me. Sometimes we have similar gifts. We're all utterly unique and it's about responsibility. Wokeism though, it's the blame. You'll never discover victory because you're always a proverbial victim in the gospel of wokeism. You never get there. Never, ever, ever. How about scripture? I, I, I took some scripture and, and, and kind of changed it around. Here's, here's some basic scripture verses. I want you to read these with me. I think we can put them up there. Oh yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I like that. Here's the woke version. Villainize your neighbor unlike yourself. Let's keep going. Is there another one? For all have sinned. We've heard that before. I've preached that. And fallen short of the glory of God. The woke version? Only the prosperous, the bourgeoisie. Hey, that's bougie. The oppressors have sinned and fall short of the glory of the culturally elite. Isn't that great? And then... The huge one, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I even, I even changed that one. I think I have it here. Man so loved himself <laughs> that he took what he wanted that only the woke will be in power to villainize, blame, and incarcerate others. That's, that's the woke version. So the Bible you see is about truth, it's about enlightenment, it's about freedom, it's about emancipation, it's about individuality, it's about forgiveness, it's about Jesus and knowing him and making him known. So we need to be awake to the gospel. Second thing, and we're almost done, awake to the beauty of the body of Christ. Awake to the beauty of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the only entity out there in today's world that underscores and highlights those transcendent values taught in the family. It's the only thing. Sadly, it's the only thing. But Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I was talking to a gentleman the other day at a dinner party, and we were talking about the church, and I said, you know, I have invested my life in the church because it's the only thing that'll last forever. It's the only thing. So... So we need to awake to growing, to discover who we are in the body of Christ. And part of growing is understanding what it means with our gifts and aptitudes and abilities, what it means to apply those things and to become the kind of person that God desires us to be. Living things grow. I mean, as I look at my marriage, Lisa and I are closer today, after 40 years, than we were 40 years ago. It's a relationship that, that, that we have cultivated. We also need to be awake to sowing. Sowing. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about sowing, obviously, our time and talent. But it, it's, it's funny how people say, yeah, I'm serving and that's my tithe. Sorry, my man. That doesn't work. Yeah, but I volunteered. Sorry. That dog won't hunt, as we say in Texas. For some reason, and I think I know why, God wants us to sow because sowing is literally planting a seed. 
He wants us to sow financially into the local church. They aren't my words. It's not me. I don't like to say this all the time. It's what God said. So sowing is not something that God wants from us. He doesn't want money from me or you. God, no. He wants something for us. Not from us, something for us. And so many people are asleep to the financial blessings and the financial the financial beauty in the culture of the local church. And if you've not tried it, try it. I'm telling you, you try it for a month. I, I mean, your life is not gonna be the same. Also, we need to, to, to wake up to knowing the Lord. Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Do you know him? Or are you asleep? Do you know him? Or are you asleep? Martin Luther, the great reformer, had a dream about hell. He dreamed that the devil was sitting on the throne of hell and he was hearing reports from the other demons about what was happening around the world. So one demon said, hey Satan, uh, there were some Christians, uh, a caravan, they were, they were cruising across the desert and I had some lions to take them out, to kill them. Satan goes, you're an idiot. Their souls are in heaven. I don't care about that. Another demon goes, uh, uh, Satan, uh, this, 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 this group of missionaries, they were sailing across the Atlantic and uh, I, I caused this great wind and, and, and the boat was obliterated and everyone drowned. You don't get it, Satan said. Their souls are in heaven. Then a third demon, a wise demon, came to Satan and said, Satan, I've been working for five years to get this Christian to go to sleep. And finally, this Christian has fallen asleep. And with that, a standing ovation occurred in hell because one Christ follower went to sleep. No more sleeping in church. Be awake to the utter uniqueness of the gospel. Be awake to the beauty of the body of Christ. And I'm telling you something. You'll see and be and do things by the octane and horsepower of the Holy Spirit you never dreamed possible. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this, this series. I've learned so much. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would interpret some of the difficult concepts to us. But I'm, I'm praying right now over every student, over every family, every, every blended family, every single parent family, everyone, that we would take these truths and download them and stand and defend the faith. Father, I pray for just a life change, a revival throughout our land as those of us who know you not only believe the gospel, but live it out. If you're hearing my voice right now and you've never, ever, ever asked Christ to 
take control over your life, you can say so right now. Just simply say this, Jesus Christ, I want to know you. Yeah, I know about you, but I want to know you personally. Here's what you have to do. Just simply you say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sins and turn to you. I ask you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life. If you said that, you are awake to the most important relationship, the most important thing in the universe, Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in your name. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.